Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the end of the Syracuse basketball season and struggles for the lacrosse team. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is ESPN college basketball analyst and our very good friend, Tim Welsh. Coach, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Great to be with you guys and uh, wrapping up the season, unfortunately, for Syracuse, for their fans and uh, their program, but they had an outstanding year. I know their fans would and their coaches and everybody wanted to go farther, but when you look at the the big whole season, it was a, it was a really a trem- another tremendous year for Syracuse. Well, uh, Coach, it's, it's uh, interesting that you started on that because I, I do want to get your overall take because obviously a disappointing end and no one wants to exit in the round of 32 when you're a Syracuse fan, but I think if you look at the season as a whole, you just kind of mentioned it before, it seems like it was still a successful season. Well, first of all, when I was up at Syracuse in October doing some work with the Midnight Madness production, uh, watching them work out before Midnight Madness and just seeing their seeing their team, I, I was impressed with their potential. But potential is a big word, and you know, can you fulfill your potential? And you know, with the loss of Brandon Trish and Michael Carter Williams and James Sutherland, I mean, that is a big, big loss. You know, a team that really came within of one bad call in the national semifinals of playing for the national championship. So when you look at that, it was a big rebuilding project with young players. And I think that they jumped out of the gate and they won a lot of close games. But you know what? They were also dominant in some other games that were big, including Maui. I go back to Maui and have Jim having Jim Beheim having his team ready to compete and play and win at that high level just shows you what a great coach he is, and also what how developed the development of those players was so important, and the strides they made from a year ago. When you you look at you look at a Cooney, you look at a Grant, and even a CJ Fair ready to take on the leadership role as a senior. And then, of course, when you put the ball in the hands of a freshman in Tyler Rennes, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, that's the toughest job to play in all of college basketball: point guard at the highest level, especially as a freshman, and you know, he handled it, handled it masterfully and. You know, when you look at that, I think the season was tremendous. And, you know, everybody looks at the end of the season, unfortunately, but I think after you take a deep breath after a couple weeks, you you look back and you say it was another great year. Well, you just mentioned the end of the season, and obviously, uh, you know, they they had that stumble. um, You know, after the Duke game, they didn't play as well. But as from a coaching standpoint, what did you see in the last six to eight weeks of the season that kind of you know I, down? we've all been through it and uh, on different levels. Of course, uh, one of our teams had got through went through that in, back in 2004. We had just beat Connecticut and uh, at Connecticut, and that was the year they actually won the national championship, and they were number two in the nation that year with with that team and uh, Mecca Okafor and Ben Gordon and. You know, we thought we were riding high and maybe a team that could make the Final Four itself. And at the end of the year, we 
we lost the game at home to Pittsburgh. We got lost in the Big East tournament, and we lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And that's all anyone, that's all anyone remembered. And, and as a coach, you're trying to find the buttons to push that were being pushed back in the middle of the year. But when one or two guys go into a slump and lose their confidence, or maybe you have an injury that, you know, someone's knee is not 100%, or someone's back is not 100%, or guys are missing practice, and guys are missing shots that normally make shots, then. Then it all snowballs into your team is not playing at anywhere near the level you were playing at when everybody was on all cylinders. And sometimes that's hard to get back. And sometimes you find it. And, you know, Tyler's shot goes in against Dayton. Maybe they find it. it was maybe the, the joy and the euphoria of that shot going in get boosts them to maybe get back to the Final Four. We've all seen it. Basketball is such a fickle game. It's a game of inches. And, you know, if one shot goes in, you're great. Shot goes out, you're not. And so I think that's that's what happened to Syracuse. You, you talk about the injury to Grant. You talk about Cooney starting to miss shots. You start you talk about C.J. Fair maybe pressing a little bit because those other two factors come into play with Grant and Cooney. Now more is put on his shoulders, and even Tyler and this more put on his shoulders to be a scorer. And then, of course, Daywon Cullen being out. People that you can't dismiss that as being a factor as well. So all of those things, you put them together, and I think that's where you have some slippage in the performance of the team, and it's hard to grab back. But they almost did, and, you know, that shot goes in. I have a feeling that if that shot went in somehow, some way, just the excitement of just getting through that game can maybe take you a long way. But it didn't go in, unfortunately, for them. Coach, let's look a little bit forward now because the big decision now for two players on the team, Jeremy Grant and Tyler Ennis, is whether they're going to make that quantum leap to the NBA. As a coach, if you were their coach, would you suggest they do that or would you suggest that they return for another year? Well, I think they're both. Clearly, when you say who's ready, who isn't, it's it's really hard to say because the development of guys are all different. Uh, some You can't put your thumb on it. But I think that you look at Tyler Ennis as a freshman, he does have a lot of improvement to, to really look at moving forward. He's got to work on his body. He's got to get stronger. He's got to become a consistent shooter. He's got to become a guy that can make sure he can defend guards. You know, at times I saw people go by him. So, you know, I'm not sure. I, you look at him when you say the, – the problem is is when, when guys are, are fall into that range of right around the lottery – and all it takes is two or three teams to pass on you. And now you're in the 20s, and then maybe you're in the late 20s. And sometimes you could even fall to the second round. I'm not saying that would happen with him, but I've seen it before. So I think if you're in that kind of on the borderline where you're not a lockdown lottery guy, especially as a freshman, why not come back? Come back as a, you know, come back to a great program, a great coaching staff, a great head coach, a guy who's going to has a proven coach with point guards especially, and come back and get better. And enjoy your experience. I mean, especially this draft is so loaded mm. that you know a lot of things could happen in this draft. I mean, just in the last few days, I've seen different draft boards and talked to a couple of NBA people where all of a sudden now a guy like Shabazz Napier, who was maybe at the end of the first round, is soaring. <laughs> and all you need is a couple more heroic games from him over the weekend, and all of a sudden he's in the lottery. Now another point guard is, is jumped in front of you. So a lot of things can happen. Certainly, if you're a Jabari Parker or an Andrew Wiggins, that's different. You're you're a lockdown lottery pick. You're a lockdown top three, and you t- take the money you get from the pick on top of the guaranteed shoe money that's all, also out there these days. Then that's hard to turn down. That's hard to tell a young man to turn down. And although I've covered the Big 12 this year, 
And I can tell you, Andrew Wiggins and JoJo Embiid love being in college, and it's a shame that these kids are pulled from that. But it's just too hard to pass up, and, and I don't think those guys can. But I do think that both Ennis and Ranch should come back because they're not locked down lottery picks, and both have huge development. Uh, they can still look to get uh, work on their improvement in the off season, and they will because they're good kids. And, and the Syracuse program has shown over the years that they will keep developing their players. And all you have to do is look at Michael Carter Williams last year, what he did, the jump from one year to the next. The third player involved in this is, is C.J. Fair, and obviously he's not coming back because he's a graduating senior. Do you see him as an NBA prospect, or do you see him more as a fringe guy that may end up playing in Europe? You know, I think he's uh, he's probably borderline, but you know what? He's a he's one of those guys. I think maybe that he he can develop an outside game. He can de- develop more of an explosive first step. I, I saw him pressing a little bit down the stretch, so maybe my most recent memory is not the greatest of him as far as a big-time player. But listen, he's proven over four years that he can play against anybody at a high level. So I would never doubt that C.J. Fair could play in the NBA. And uh, I hope he does because he's such a great kid and you know, I give him all the credit in the world for coming back for a senior year and uh, felt bad for him kind of the way it ended. He struggled a little bit down the stretch. But I, I know I'm pulling for him because just I know he's a big-time character kid. He's got a lot of talent, he's, and he's really worked to improve over four years. So I would say I would not bet against C.J. Fair <laughs> making a team somewhere. Coach, we'll get you out of here on this one. You're a former assistant at Syracuse. You were the head coach of Providence. What did you think of the ESPN 30 for 30 Requiem for the Big East? Well, first of all, the 30s are always great. I think uh, you just tune in, whether it's about the Big East or the the old ABA, all those things are all just exciting, kind of live back old memories that were so cherished uh, as time goes by. But, you know, that's one end. And just seeing uh, the old coaches with with Jim and PJ, Carla Simone, Patino, and and John Thompson and Rolly, you know, brings back memories of when I was assistant with Jim and just what great times those were as well. But, you know, it's... uh, it's really sad. You know, Dave Pash and I, a Syracuse uh, grad, Dave Pash, we and I did a game last week. We did an MIT game, and he asked me during the broadcast, but I said it was fantastic. I said, but on the other hand, believe it or not, I was depressed after yeah. because, you know, it just such a great thing went by the boards. It's gone. It's up in the air. And I sat with uh, our own SNY's own Gary Apple last year at Madison Square Garden. It was a Thursday afternoon. It was the Syracuse-Georgetown game that huh. went to overtime in the Big East tournament. We just the game went into overtime. We looked at each other. It was about 4:15 on a Thursday afternoon, and we looked at each other and we said, "I can't believe this is going away." Yeah. We just there's something so great and so special, and so electric and so so gratifying that everyone loved was going away. And that's the sad thing, but that's the state we're in these days in college sports. And it's just too bad. We'll have to live on the memories and hope hope for new memories. And I'm sure they'll be there, but they won't be as good as those. That's for sure. Well, Coach, it's always great to hear your insights into college basketball. Thank you so much again for coming on the program, as always. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to you next week. All right, you guys as well. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Coach. Always a pleasure to talk to Coach Welsh. Always great to get his insights. He just has seen so much during his time, especially as a former assistant at Syracuse Providence head coach, college basketball analyst. Always a pleasure to talk to him. I'm now joined by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes, dodging a few late-March snowflakes in the Mid-Atlantic today. <laughs> well, one, pe- one team that didn't dodge any bullets in March was obviously Syracuse in a very disappointing end to the season. 
but you know, I guess if you can't score, you're not going to win. And Syracuse didn't do much of that over the last six to eight weeks. What happened, Brad? Well, I think it was a number of things, Wes. Let's start off with certainly losing a player like Jeremy Grant late in the season, one of the big four of the offensive scorers for the team this year. Opposing defenses clamped down on Syracuse in ACC's play, especially man-to-man defense, really uh, hounding uh, Trevor Cooney throughout games and conference play. I also thought that uh, the defenses were really dictating, the opponent teams was dictating the play, the style of play and the pace of the game, and that was creating fewer opportunities for the Syracuse offense in, in having possession of the ball. And there were some games where the shots were there. They simply, by bad luck, did not go in. And there were other games where the shots were there and there was bad shooting and the shots didn't go in. So I think it was a number of things that contributed to the offensive problems down the stretch. And as you mentioned, if you're not going to put the basket in the ball, you can play as great defense as you want, but you're not likely to win a lot of close games. Brad, you wrote about in your weekly Orange Watch column that is out right now, there's a stat that came out that Jim Beheim has now the NCAA leader in losses to double-digit seeds. Um, I don't know about you, but I think that's kind of a misleading statistic because he has been around more than any other coach, uh, especially in this type of situation where he's been for as successfully as he has for so long. And upsets, you know, like you said in your column, are the nature of the NCAA tournament. Absolutely the nature when you have teams that are gunning for a higher seed to get that big upset. And it's, it's true, as, as you say. Coach Beheim has been doing this 83 times in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. So when you coach 83 games in a single elimination situation, they're going to be upsets. And if you look at the list, you know, including Dayton this season, you had Marquette back in 11. And that was you know, a, a team that was a conference uh, rival a very good team, so that really wasn't, I wouldn't say, a bad loss back in Cleveland in the 11th tournament. Texas A&M in 06, Jerry McNamara was spent. His body was beat up after that miraculous Big East tournament run, and Texas A&M was a pretty decent team that year, a 12th seed. Uh, And then some bad losses to Vermont, Richmond, and Rhode Island. So it's the nature of the beast. While it's factually correct and may look good on a a graphic on a screen in a post-game news conference, you really have to kind of put it in perspective. Brad, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the lacrosse team because they are struggling with a capital S right now. Uh, they were pounded by Duke 21-7 to over the weekend, and that face-off issue is really looming large right now. It was a big issue all throughout last year, and you can see that this year they can't win a face-off in the same way that Syracuse couldn't hit an outside shot against Dayton. It's psychological. There's no doubt about it now, and this team's going to have to get over that hump of winning the faceoff battle because that's all they thought about in the offseason after the loss to Duke in last May's championship game. A couple of days after that game, I wrote an article saying it is indeed time for a rule change in big-time college lacrosse. I was using the analogy that when basketball started in the 1890s with the peach baskets, after every basket, then you had a jump ball at, at center court again. And eventually, of course, those rules changed to where the team that was scored upon then got the ball and went on offense. I think the same thing has to happen in lacrosse. I don't see why you have to have a face-off after every goal, and I don't think there would be any harm in having the team that was just scored upon get the ball to go on offense either at midfield or at the top of the box. And I think that's a, a change that the NCAA needs to look at, along with doing something about speeding up the game. Just like in college basketball, Wes, 
student-athletes today in lacrosse and in basketball are so much better than even just two decades ago. So when the athletes have become so much better, the game is so much quicker, you have to alter the rules. For lacrosse, you have to have a 30-second shot clock. You have to keep the speed of play going. And in college basketball, I certainly like to see the shot clock lowered to 30 for the same type of reason. Move the game along. Lacrosse, the fastest game on two feet, let's keep it that way. It's amazing that one player who has really no other job than for those five to ten seconds of the faceoff has such a big impact on the game. Because you look at um, what Brendan Fowler did. He won 24-31 faceoffs. That, that's all he does. He doesn't score goals. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't um, mind the net. He just, that's his job for those five to ten seconds and to have such a big impact for such a, you know, relatively minimal role if you talk about in terms of time that he's actually in the game. I have to agree with you, Brad. I hope the rule change is coming, but I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. I hope, again, they look at it this summer because they didn't do anything a year ago. And you're right. Too unbalanced when someone like Fowler of Duke wins 77% of the faceoffs, the game is just too unbalanced. Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I love the fact that the Syracuse football team is going to play SEC and National Power LSU, as reported by Syracuse.com a couple of weeks back. Looks like a home-and-home series with the Tigers starting in Baton Rouge in 2015. Now I say let's keep the SEC coming. Next, let's get Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M for home-and-home for SU football. <laughs> be careful what you wish for, Brad. Some of those scores might be a little lopsided. <laughs> I like the way the program's going, though, Wes. I like Coach Schaaf uh, wanted to have big-name opponents and out of conference schedule. I say bring them on. Well, now with the basketball team done, the lacrosse team struggling, it's not a bad idea to look toward the football team. My closing thoughts are on the women's basketball team who was eliminated from the NCAA tournament by Kentucky 64-59 last night. Obviously a disappointing end to the season, but I wanted to congratulate the program for winning their first ever NCAA tournament game. Clearly that's a program going in the right direction, and I'm looking forward to their next season. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I have a lot of growing up to do. I realized that the other day inside my pillow fort. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.